This episode is sponsored by Fire and Fuel Coaching, where I help you discover who you are and where you want to go, both on and off the job. For more information, please reach out to me at my Instagram handle at Jerry Fire and Fuel. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Enduring the Badge Podcast. I'm your host, Jerry Dean Lund, and I don't want you to miss an upcoming episode, so please hit that subscribe button. And while your phone's out, please do me a favor and give us a review on iTunes or our Apple Podcasts. It says, hey, this podcast has a great message, and we should send it out to more people. So please take that 30 seconds to a minute to do that review, and just maybe by doing that, it'll push this up into someone's podcast feed that really needs this message. Hey, everyone, before we jump into this next episode... I want to talk to you about the two coaching programs I offer. I offer one on relationships and I offer one on mindset. The relationship program is very extensive and dives down deeply into your relationship so you can know what is making it great and know what is not making it great and how to solve those problems. And I know it's very difficult these days, especially if we're just being moms and dads and running around this crazy world. Our relationships can go from thriving to barely surviving. And I know if you're like me, you want your relationship to last forever. My other program is on mindset. I want you to have the mindset that is going to help you discover your inner wisdom and motivation and is going to cause you to grow to your truest potential. That mindset is going to make you successful, not just on the job, but off the job where it's just as important to be successful and that will create the life that you desire for a lifetime. My very special guest today is John Gray from Arapahoe County Sheriff's Department and he's going to talk about his partner Rex. Rex was received from Back the Blue Canine Force and Rex is a dual certified lab that is certified in gun detection and a therapy dog. John is going to talk about how he uses Rex in his day-to-day operations at the schools and what training Rex had to get before he could get into the schools as well. So listen to how John uniquely uses this dog in his day-to-day operations of the school to help the school be safe and to help their kids with their mental health. Now let's jump right into this episode. How you doing, John? Doing good. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thank you for being on. Appreciate you taking the taking the time to be on. Can you introduce yourself to the audience and tell the audience a little bit about what you're doing? Yeah, so uh, my name is John Gray, and I'm a school resource officer with Arapahoe County Sheriff's Office in Colorado. And I have um, a very unique uh, school canine partner that works with me, and his name is Rex. And Rex is a Labrador Retriever, um, and he is dual certified, which is kind of the unique part. So he is um, both certified in um, gun detection, so he can actually find guns, ammunition, pipe bombs, and things like that. But then he is also um, certified as a therapy dog. So we work full-time in schools. And that's, that's, that is definitely unique. I think nowadays, I mean, that's, that's awesome to have a dog that can do both. What's the certification process like that to have a dual trained dog like that? You know, we, we kind of have a unique process. We get the dogs <clears throat> eight weeks, um, and they start their training immediately with the handler. So, um, 
that eight to 16 week period with the puppy is really just a lot of socialization, getting them exposed to all the unique environments, as you guys know, that law enforcement are in, right? It could be, we could be in really loud, crazy, chaotic environments, or it could be a quiet school setting with just me, the student, the counselor and Rex, right? And so um, we, we take those first eight weeks there and we start the socialization process. Then after that, really the whole first year of life is um, an obedience training and socialization all that entire year. And so we meet the same um, obedience requirements for all of our police dogs. But then in order to get certified as a therapy dog, we have to be able to show obedience in like a lot of strange environments, like would imagine. Uh, a lunchroom, right? You know, yeah. if the dog is laying on the floor in the lunchroom and there's, you know, I'm I'm sure many people could remember the elementary or middle school lunchroom is not a clean floor, right? And <laughs> right. Lots of food all over. And so a lot of that training is just, you know, making sure that the dog's not going to be taking food and things like that. And um, we go on elevators and escalators and um, lots of unique, again, it's a lot of really, you know, obedience in, in a social environment. But then one thing I think a lot of people don't know when they, think of like a therapy dog i hear them call them like comfort dogs a lot but Mm -hmm. when you say that it kind of takes the science out of it so the real training comes from patterning the dog to understand that um, because they can actually smell our hormonal change so we have a student who's upset we take the dog to that person over and over and over again and before they know it the dog picks up on that odor and they know, hey, when I smell that, I'm supposed to go sit with this student or this person. So that, I think, is one of the most important things we train is yeah. how the dog interacts with people when they're upset. Yeah, that's super cool. That's And, it's, and you're right, right. Taking out the science out of it is uh, when it is is not great. I think when a comfort dog, right, that's your personal pet kind of type of thing. And you yeah. want to just cuddle and, and hold it, not the same type of dog that we're talking about uh rex here so yeah what about his other part of his training so i mean that's the first year socialization and stuff like that but what about his uh his like i guess gun detection and things like that yeah so at a year we once we test the dogs out on their therapy work and we get them certified Mm -hmm. and we start training um on whatever scent discipline like so for rex he um we did black powder obviously so that so black powder is the scent we trained him on. Um, and so that that process is a depends on the dog and how fast they really pick stuff up. But um, we train with um, our handler who has a, an explosives dog. His name is Tad. He's he's a good trainer. And, um, you know, it's a, it was about a three month process or process. So, again, it's a lot of repetition, you know, um, you know, we use buckets and we do a lot of bucket training, just like they do with drug dogs. And um, people think we have these this fancy equipment, and then they see us <laughs> a field with Home Depot buckets or in a room. Yeah. Like, what are those cops doing? You know, but yeah. Um, again, that's kind of what we do. We just use buckets and we walk the dogs down the buckets. And the second their nose hits that odor, we want to imprint them on. We reward them like crazy. And after thousands of repetitions and then we start kind of breaking down and get rid of the buckets and start just kind of doing some real simple hides before you know it, they just, the game is on. And um, it's been pretty incredible. Just, I, I will say a couple of weeks back, we got called out uh, three different times 
in the week just for kind of assistance to patrol on gun-related mm-hmm. calls. One of them was involving a juvenile. So, um, you know, even when you're out of the school, you're still kind of kind of impacting the youth, which is kind of a neat a neat thing. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that takes a lot of time. Thousands of repetitions take a lot of time and patience on your part. Oh yeah. It's a process. And that's the thing with training dogs. I mean, for anything really, I think a lot of people are like, how do you guys train your dogs so well? And I'm like, well, in all fairness, we do get to train all day. You know, we have all day, every day. And, and even when we're working, it's, it's kind of really training for the dog. Right. And so it, the scent work I think it is, is really important though, because lately we get a lot of questions. What are you guys doing for school safety? No matter where you're located yeah. in the country, it's a topic people want to know about, you know, and I feel better as a school resource officer knowing we have an answer, right? Is right. it a perfect answer? No, but it's another layer of something that we can use where, Hey, we get a report that maybe a kid's in possession of a firearm and we can help the school out by doing some locker sniffs, right. Or something like that. And it's just, you know, for me as a parent and as a, and as a deputy, it's, it's kind of reassuring knowing that we have just another tool. Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty, pretty great tool. It's just a little bit mind boggling that that tool can do to do both roles, you know, and um, what did the kids think about that? Knowing that it can do both roles. I think, you know, it's, it's really funny because kids always want to know not about if they can pet, they do want to know that too, but they're like, well, what missions has he gone on lately? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's really the interesting part, right? Is there's other therapy dogs in our district, in our school district that we work in that are not with officers that are actually with like counselors and mental health um, mm-hmm. staff. But I've been in the school and watched the kids walk right past those dogs to come pet Rex. Yeah. And I think it's because he has a badge, he has a job, and it's unique, right? They don't always get mm-hmm. to go up and pet a police dog. So I think that they think it's cool. And and the older kids think that it's, I think some of them get a sense of comfort from it, you know, and, yeah. and they don't know exactly how it works. And every dog is kind of different. You know, you go to the airport and the airport dogs, they kind of, they're using their nose in a different way than our dogs. Yeah. And so it's, it's definitely interesting, but the kids definitely are, uh, are interested with the dog in general, let alone that, you know? Yeah. I would imagine that probably helps, right? That having them be interested in the dog just would help you move through the school and, you know, form those bonds with the, with the kids. Yeah. And actually, you know, it's kind of interesting too, because we've had a lot of stuff go on in Colorado and, and Denver um, police department recently got rid of their school resource officer program. And, you know, I think a lot of places around the country started looking at that. And, you know, our agency, while other people were getting rid of theirs, we doubled the size of ours. We added more. We were even covering schools that were in another service area just to help out, you know. And yeah. I think it goes to show, you know, our Sheriff Tyler Brown is is very passionate about school safety. And so um, building those relationships now with kids that are in elementary school mm-hmm. I don't think how important people realize that is when it comes time to those kids being, you know, middle high school and then adults. Right. And right. their their comfort with law enforcement and their understanding is is 10 times better, you know. Right. Right. They don't have the see law enforcement 
you know, they see it maybe in a probably the proper light that it should be seen in. Instead of maybe right. some of the things they picked up watching TV or hearing other people talk about it. But yeah, form that bond. That's, that's incredible at the young age. Yeah. And it gives a good chance too, for us to also, you know, like we've got a lot of kids cause we have, um, several different school districts that we, we work in and, um, we have lots of students, you know, the school district that I'm, that I'm in alone, we have 16,000 kids in our service area. And, um, you know, Cherry Creek schools is one of our bigger school districts. We've got 22 elementary schools alone, you know? And so when you start looking at how big this population of students is, you know, you want to make sure you're making a difference and that yeah. you're, you know, and, and I think people are worried, oh, well, is my student going to get in trouble because we have a police officer in the building? And it's like, that's not what we're there for, you know, right. we're there to educate kids and to kind of give them more of that mentorship piece where it's like, hey, I want to guide a kid to not make the wrong choice, right? Right, right. And charge a kid for, you know, having something silly in his backpack, right? And so, yeah. you know, it's kind of a neat role. And when you think about it, it's one of kind of the last true, you know, community policing oriented jobs that we have at the sheriff's office. I know the patrols yeah. out there, they, they do community policing, but I mean, that's like 90% of what my job is. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you cover m- multiple schools, not just one school. Yeah, I have, I'm assigned to eight. So I have eight elementary schools and then I also help out at the middle school and the high school that are in my, my service area. So um, that's a, a Rappo High School and Newton Middle School, and so that's we're all in the Littleton um, Public Schools school district. Um, and so, you know, it's we we are still county employees. So again, we go to other schools and help out yeah. the, as kind of need it. But those are what my typical assignments are. So it's kind of nice with the dog to be able to go school to school. You know? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm sure it's, uh, it's nice for you and the dog to get out and about, uh, being stuck in one school is probably <laughs> less desirable. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. And and it gives him breaks too. Cause you know, it can be no matter how well-trained the dog is, it, it's a lot, you know, elementary school kids are a lot on a dog. And so yeah. it gives him a nice break to have some quiet time in the car and then we'll go play outside and then go back into the next school. And and they call us too, you know, which is kind of neat that they call us, but not for necessarily a law enforcement response. Sometimes it's, hey, we have this kid who's really anxious about going back to class or going to school, or we have a kid who, um, you know, who has autism, who's escalated, and we have three staff members in there and they're not making any progress, you know, and usually yeah. I can put the dog in there and have him lay down and the kids can kind of approach him at their own pace. And before you know it, we're solving situations without me even talking, you know, <laughs> yeah. I'm just a guy on the leash, you know, right. It, it's kind of a neat tool for even the school staff to kind of be able to rely on. So, yeah. And that takes energy for the dog to do these type of things. Just even laying there on the floor is, you know, uh, it's still an energy drain for these dogs. Yeah. No, you're right. And that's actually kind of why we looked at, um, we got Rex in 2021. Um, and so he's just over a year and a half now. Um, and you know, the, the neat thing was, is we, we thought this program would be successful, you know, and we, and we truly believe that we worked hard to make that happen, but we didn't know how big it was going to be and how quick that was going to expand. And so 
Um, we now have three dogs that do this and we're looking at adding two more this spring. So we'll have five of these dogs just um, assigned to our schools, which I think is pretty neat. You know, it's, and, and all the dogs will, um, for the most part, have an, have their own specialty, which will be the scent too. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think we're, our goal is to have a dog that can do electronics that can actually find electronics. And what we'll use that dog for is evidentiary hardware, um, you know, with our internet crimes against children. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, just doing search warrants with investigators to find, you know, maybe a hard drive that has inappropriate pictures of a kid on there. Right. And so we're still impacting youth safety, even outside the school, right. Or maybe adding another dog that can do guns on the other side of our, you know, our, our County. And so, it's kind of neat to be able to to do this when you know police canines are expensive, right? Yeah. You're looking at a yeah. fifteen thousand dollar dog without them being trained. Yeah, you know we're buying hunting labs. Um, you know they're they're good bloodline hunting dogs, and but they're labs. You know they're gentle and they just want attention and want to be pet. And so it's been pretty neat to watch, like you said, kind of how they're they are dual purpose, and you know how how we can impact in kind of two completely different ways. And so um, hopefully I've, I've seen more of these dogs start popping up. I know everybody's using them a little bit differently, <laughs> but. Yeah, that's, I want to go back a little bit to, you know, where you're talking about the a dog that smells for electronics and stuff like that. Explain, yeah. explain to the audience a little bit, like how, how that works a little bit. Yeah, it's probably one of the strangest things you hear, right? You're like, well, there's yeah. electronics everywhere. So how do you do that? So it's kind of a unique thing. And I would say across the country, there's actually very few dogs that do this. There, there's probably less than 300 dogs in the United States that do that. Yeah. Um, what they do is every every uh, like remote control or um, basically chip, microchip, has a heat coating on it. And uh, it's a powdered coating that dries clear, but they put that heat coating on there and it's to keep all the devices from getting hot. But that that coating is what we we uh, imprint and train the dogs on. And it's a little bit different for cell phones than it is for like hard drives and USB. Mm-hmm. So we actually have two odors there. So you do the heat, um, the heat basically powder that's on those USBs. And then for the cell phones, it's got they have their own little like um, scent you know, that they've put together. So you, we buy all of our stuff from obviously manufacturers that, that provide dog training, um, equipment for the you know military and police. But, um, you know, so what getting these dogs up and running is, is key because, you know, I can take my dog in and we know that a gun shouldn't be somewhere. Right. But when you take yeah. a dog to a house where there's electronics everywhere, you're doing a lot more directed searching. So, you know, searching air ducts, searching a refrigerator that you know yeah right. some of these refrigerators <laughs> might have a screen on them but there should be in your you know ketchup container right yeah so, yeah looking at all those weird spots where yeah we can have law enforcement come in and search you're just going to be there for a really long time you know yeah. um so that part of it is is really kind of neat so i i what i've seen these dogs used for mostly is search warrants um you know, especially then when we're doing a lot of like our more undercover type work, um, you know, they're, they're using these dogs to assist to make the, the searching time a lot shorter. But, um, 
it's unfortunate that we have to have a unit that's specifically right. right. But we want that we're protecting kids, you know, and um, I know just a few years back, Colorado was one of the highest. Um, in fact, at one point we were number one for human trafficking and yes. um, in the country and, you know, shocking. Location, yeah. Location plays a part in that, you know, the, the highway corridor coming mm. from um, our Southern border. And so, when you start looking at how do we make sure that we're doing everything we can, you know, as an agency to keep kids safe, this is one key component, right? Hey, we've yeah. got a that can now, um, you know, make sure that because kids are impulsive, you know, they get online, <laughs> start talking, to somebody, and they are they just yeah. make really choices, and you know, they they might talk to somebody they've never met before, you know, and they don't realize what kind of danger they're putting themselves in, but that's where this dog comes into play. And it's kind of cool because, um, you know, we also teach classes in the schools through a program. It's called the Yes Program. Hey, everyone. Have you lost that loving feeling because life has you so stressed out and you're just being moms and dads now and just running around like crazy and the passion in your relationship is gone and you don't make it a priority anymore? Well, let me help you with that. I offer a free 15-minute discovery call that you can book on the Enduring the Badge website, or you can just reach out to me on any of my social media platforms, and I will get back to you as soon as possible. And we teach about, we call it digital citizenship, but that's really internet safety, right? Mm -hmm. And so I think it kind of goes full circle, right? We're teaching about internet safety, and then we have dogs that are out there that can, you know, or that will be able to eventually find these electronic devices, kind of help us out in these cases to protect kids and right. these cases yeah it, it does it's that part has just always been super fascinating to me you know just the what dogs can really do and the many different roles they play in yeah in all the first responder disciplines you know there's military police fire like they're all over the place doing something some kind of work yeah, and you're seeing them pop up more now. I mean, I know the fire department went away from dogs for a little bit, but even they're bringing more dogs back. And yeah, you know, in law enforcement, we've always thought of dogs, and I don't like sound negative, but in a linear way, right? Like dogs are do we use them for one thing: yeah. control, use, you know, narcotics and bite work and finding suspects, and you know, even for SWAT use, right, and stuff like that. But there's really a lot of uses, you know, that a dog can play in. Even for our own cops, you know, like I know that sometimes you get a lot of laughs when, you know, you say therapy dog, but then when you see 20 SWAT guys on the ground petting the dog, it's like, yeah. Hey, <laughs> you know, yeah, laugh because we all, you know, we all need that. Right. And so, right. Like, kind of one of those funny things. And so it's kind of, it's kind of impactful and it's really cool to see how this program is expanding, not in our agency alone, but just nationwide kind of same more people find cool uses for dogs and it's yeah. pretty cool. Do you see like the dog reducing people's therapy and maybe like say that you do have a, a student or something that may be in a little bit of trouble that you, you see the dog maybe reduce its anxiety, the kid's anxiety, and then maybe want to kind of work with you a little bit easier or confess maybe or something. I think it definitely makes kids calmer in interviews because it's not so, you know, oh, I'm sitting here with a cop now and all they're focused on is my equipment and am I going in handcuffs or am I in yeah. trouble? And in all reality, the chance of all that is low, right? Um, 
And so it definitely, it, it plays a key role, I would say, in calming their mind and allowing them, like you said, kind of to just talk more naturally mm-hmm. about you know, what happened. Because a lot of times kids are not in trouble, but they think they are, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Um, or even victims, right? Like, right. it'd be scary for a 13-year-old kid to come in and tell a story about what happened to him or her at school. And so now you do it with the dog. And they're a lot more comfortable, yeah. you know? And so, I'm, I mean, we've even looked at what does this look like for adults? Because the opportunities that you have with these dogs, you're kind of only limited by your own creativity, right? Sure. So even for people, you know, let's say you're on a SWAT call and you have a barricade, right? And you have victims that are in there that were, you know, in a pretty traumatic situation. You bring them out rather than just sit down right away with an investigator you have them sit with the dog yeah and now they're petting the dog and they start smiling a little bit more and now it's as you're talking to them just like the students their mind is off of it it's not such a high stress situation so it, it's right. another awesome part of that you know and and kids that are really going through a lot of like mental health situations do it's hard to talk about some of that stuff you know and i think the counselors have noticed the value of the dogs even when, even when talking to kids like in that role. So, yeah, yeah, I definitely could see that. This is might be a little bit off topic, but I mean, what do you see that is leading to like, like we're talking a little bit about mental health for kids. Like, do you see something that's leading or a cause, a common cause of this? Yeah. I, I hate to blame technology, but (laughs) I think the thing we know, right. Is that, over time, this, and this has been studied pretty, pretty thoroughly, this current generation of kids has the lowest functioning emotional intelligence ever recorded. And yeah. a lot of people don't talk about emotional intelligence, but it's, a, it's an important thing when you think about a kid, right? Being able yeah. to tell that they're happy or sad or somebody is stressed, right? So we take a, it's really weird, but we take a, in our presentations, a slide and it has just expressions on it. Kids cannot properly identify the different facial cues. So they don't wow. know if stressed, frustrated, sad, right? They know happy face because they send those emojis all the time. <laughs> right? But because they're not communicating face to face, it's making it that much harder for them to, to truly be empathetic, to understand others' emotions, right? And so yeah. when we start pairing that, um, you know, with maybe something like ADHD, Mm -hmm. right? Where you have, you have lower emotional intelligence, they're not very empathetic and they're very impulsive. Yeah. That's a situation for disaster. Right. And so I don't know if there's necessarily just one cause, but I do think that that's something that's really taking us down a bad road. And, and, you know, there's people that I think get motivated by different things in mm-hmm. life, you know, whether that's whatever you're motivated, you know, Hey, I want to learn to work yeah. out, you know, you go find motivation. Well, you know, sometimes kids find good motivation online and sometimes they find bad motivation online, yeah. you know, and, and I, I try to encourage parents all the time. I'm like, Hey, you know, if you hand a kid a device, it's like sending them down an alleyway downtown at night. You just don't know what they're going to run into. Yeah. You know? So, you know, kids now even when we talk in our schools about internet safety i'm like 
you're seeing kids that are finding pornography as early as five because they click, they go down the rabbit hole and, you know, they're playing a little game that's innocent, but then they clicked on the ad. Well, then the ad takes them all these other things. And before you know it, they're seeing this explicit content, you know, their brain's not developed or ready for that. You know, our brains don't even fully develop till you're almost 30. Yeah. I mean, we think of our in our 20s and we were not making <laughs> good of decisions as you are when you're in your 30s right so right yeah yeah that, that it is interesting you know the the people that are targeting kids are are creative right they 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 know how to manipulate them and you know get them down into these rabbit holes and they're they're i feel like you know right criminals are always testing new ways to do to do things right. Um, and talking about having kids having devices, like, uh, you know, you're starting, kids are starting to get random messages, you know, from people or random pictures from people they have no, have no contact with ever and starting right. to show up on their phones. And it's like, are always probing, right? Criminals are always probing. Yeah. And we, we're trying to teach them to stay a step ahead, right? Like you can't not use technology. Unfortunately, it's, it's part of our life. Right. And so how do we teach kids how to safely use technology? Because, you know, even my my son who's in elementary school is a third grader. I mean, he's using the Internet in class. Right. They're using YouTube and things like this to watch videos to learn. Right. And so, you know, we since we can't remove that, the best thing we could do is really teach them how to at least be safe on there, you know, and and I think this all kind of comes together really you know like the things that we're teaching in the classroom and then having the school resource officer in the school mm-hmm. and having the dog it all pairs nicely to kind of get the kids on the right track and and honestly this makes a difference for even our patrol officers right because yeah hopefully sending more educated kids you know as far as safety is concerned and law is concerned in our community to become young adults that make good choices right right time vested early on in children's lives pays off dividends, you know, down the road. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, no, it's definitely unique. Yeah. John, how do how, how can people support a program like this where their you know, departments are getting dogs? You know, for us um, specifically, we have a nonprofit called back the blue canine force. Um, and it's kind of cool because, they actually purchase all of our protective equipment for our dogs. They actually purchase all of our dogs. The county hasn't had to buy a, a, any of our police dogs. We've had over 13 dogs. So um, it's cool because we get a lot of community support from events that we do. Yeah. Uh, and then all that support goes directly to Back to Blue, and then they can help us out and get what we need. Now, I know for, for us, we're always looking at how can we do – bigger and better community events to bring more people out to see what we're doing. So um, it's kind of exciting. And in 2022, we did our first Rex run. And so it was a 5k and people could come out. We had all sorts of stuff to do there um, in for kids and people could bring their dogs. And if they didn't want to run, they could just walk. Um, And it was to really raise awareness for our program. But then we also raised money and, that money that we raised from that was able to purchase um, ballistic vests for all of our patrol dogs. And it also bought um, another therapy dog to be used in schools. 
And so um, now we have a new dog and he's a, he's a puppy now, but he's our third dog. And so when you ask about like support, coming to events is huge. No matter where you're located, you know, there's, there's, I'm sure events at your local agencies um, and there's nonprofits. And, and now a lot of thing I've seen too, a lot of agencies are starting to get their own nonprofit so that mm. people can, because, you know, obviously people can't just come give money to your PD and then you use that. You have something set up for that. And so, yeah. um, which is hard, you know, cause then people are like, Hey, we want to show our support. How do we do that? You know, and the cost of these dogs, by the time for us, for our department, by the time we look at the dog equipping the officer and, and getting a car fully functional is about 10,000. Um, and you know, while that seems high, again, I go back to that's the cost of a patrol dog that just got here in a kennel from overseas, you know? And so yeah. we're trying to get as much bang for our buck so that we can really serve our community and be conscious of, of funds too. So, um, I'd encourage people, you know, show up at events. If you, if you're curious, um, our dogs actually have their own social media pages. <laughs> so our dogs have Instagram and TikTok. <laughs> try to put fun stuff on there. And it's all kid appropriate content. And even though we're trying to, obviously, like I said, you know, we want to make sure we're not encouraging too much social media, but at the same time, if they're going to be on there, I'd rather give them something positive to look at. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but we put stuff on there about our events and, and back to blue, um, you know, they have a, a link. And so if people want to donate or, be a part of back the blue they can um and so it's it's kind of neat to see you know places like back the blue canine force supporting agencies and i know that there's you know no matter what state you're from there's a lot of people out there that just want to help yeah and i could see i'm not sure how this would work with back the blue but i'm sure like um i'll say i wanted to bring a dog to salt lake city like i could probably work with back the blue and generate some funding to make that happen with salt lake city and they have so many like the the thing that you learn especially when you get into law enforcement especially with dogs is people are so connected across the country you know so it's so great to be able to say hey i want to know something about georgia and i can get a hold of you know a canine handler i can get a hold of you know pd there and they'll give me great resources on Hey, this is a nonprofit that we use, right? Or these are events we do to help raise money. Or just like you're saying, you know, you want to bring a program to Salt Lake. There's people that I guarantee you will be like, oh, we can use this funding stream. And, you know, and yeah. even back to Blue Canine Force, knowing that they're maybe connected with other nonprofits and other states, there's so many great resources out there. And a lot of people don't know this too, but if you're a grant writer, which I can own it. I, I, you're a good person at writing grants. Um, there's a lot of money out there for mental health. And it's, it's, it's being, I feel like, untapped. But there's mm-hmm. a lot of money you can use that talks about mental health. And you can use it to set up a therapy dog program. Because a therapy dog actually fits right into some of the mental health um, you know, avenues that you can go down to try to you know, treat or help with mental health. Yeah. Um, and another, you know, we've had some smaller agencies. We just hosted a class recently on how to start this program. Oh, and we awesome. had 10 agencies attend. Um, and, and the whole point is kind of just to say, hey, we know that we may not have the perfect way to do this, but here's how we did this and just try to help them because go look at Therapy Dog up online and you're going to find 
a hundred different places trying to sell you a hundred different things. Right. That's where it gets kind of confusing. And so finding a, a clear route to how do we do this and how are we, how can we be nationally recognized and how can we make sure we're doing this correctly? Cause you know, anytime you have an animal, it's a, it can be a liability to your agency. So yeah. you want to make sure you do it correctly um, and that you train the dog adequately and, and do all those things. But um, you know, we're, I know our agency, myself included, we're always here to help to see if we can, if, you know, We've had a, somebody from Texas called us recently. If we can get you information on your program or we can help you in any way, we'd love to do that. Yeah, it's, a, it's still a community, right? We're, yeah. we're all a community, part of a, a better and bigger community. And sharing this yeah. information is incredibly helpful. And having a go-to person right. you know, is is essential, right? No, Otherwise, totally. you're spinning your, kind of spinning your wheels and trying to recreate something that someone's already created. Yeah, and some places don't have canine units, right? And so, you know, it's hard to then then you got to create policy for an agency that's never had a dog. Yeah, you know where we've done that. So if we if we can help somebody, you know, that's all we're trying to do. So yeah, awesome, John. Where's some of the social media places? Um, where are they where can they find Rex and uh, maybe the you know the other dogs? Yeah, so we made our our. Our Instagram is hopefully, I think it's pretty easy. So it's a Rapaho, Rex, and then SRO. And there's just an underscore in between, but you don't even have to put that in and it still comes up. But we've made it easy because all of our dogs start with a Rapaho and then just has their name. So if it's not Rex, we have Zeke, who's Rex's younger brother. And then we have Riley, who's their nephew, who now works for us. So it's kind of a <laughs> family situation here of dogs, but um so it, it's kind of cool because we put fun stuff, like I said, on their Instagram accounts. And then the TikTok is the same, same exact handle. So um, it's just the Rapaho, Rex or Riley or Zeke, and then SRO at the end. So, um, you know, we hope people follow us. And, and, and the goal there is getting information out or, you know, taking your mind off your day with just a funny dog video or yeah. simple like that. And it's kind of a neat way to be able to interact with a lot of the high school students. Cause I'll be honest, we go into schools. There are kids that are interacting with the dog that I'm 99% sure would not be hanging out with <laughs> yeah. if the dog wasn't there. Right. But now right. is there, they will talk to me. And before you know it, I come in without the dog and they're like, Hey, where's your dog at? And yeah. before you know, I'm talking. Right. And then, you know, social media, now we're reaching maybe kids who, I don't know, maybe they're, they're at home now or they're doing homeschool, but they used to go to that school or, or maybe they're quiet and they don't want to come up and talk to you, but they'll still yeah. kind of interact in some way. Right. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today and, you know, providing some great, great content. I think it's, I would love to see this being pushed out through all the schools throughout the country. I think that just is a is a game changer to have a dual certified dog. Yeah, we appreciate you having us on here. And and like I said, it it's just there's so many law enforcement agencies across the country. And if we can just work together to find different ways that we can better serve our community, it just makes it that much that much easier for us all to do our jobs. And these yeah. dogs, they are it's pretty incredible. It's pretty incredible. So I, I hope if anybody has questions, you know, that is watching the show and wants to reach out, um, 
I'm more than happy to share my email or contact information and I'd be more than happy to help. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. What, um, what is your email? It's uh, J as in John and then gray G R a Y at arapahogov.com. So, you know, if people, if people want to reach out on my, uh, to me via email or even Instagram, I, I have to manage, we manage our own Instagrams. I can always get in touch with somebody through there. And, okay. Um, help however we can. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on today. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And please remember to reach out to me if you're struggling with your mindset, your marriage, or any aspects of mental health. I'm here to help you. Thanks again for listening. Don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you access your podcast. If you know someone that would be great on the show, please get a hold of our host, Jerry Dean Lund, through the Instagram handles at Jerry Fire and Fuel or at Enduring the Badge Podcast. Also, by visiting the show's website, EnduringTheBadgePodcast.com for additional methods of contact and up-to-date information regarding the show. Remember, the views and opinions expressed during the show solely represent those of our hosts and the current episode's guests.